I am actually very nervous and I, I am very nervous because I, I want to explain something. When, when Sean and Coco and, and Jez started leading this morning, I, I was blown away because God is so good. I was so unsure about what to preach on this morning and Jess and I were away for the first half of the week and I was just praying and asking God and we, we had the thing yesterday and I had a few verses. I had a lot of verses and, and no real direction and then some things sort of came out yesterday that God, God showed me and, and Dave's sermon last week, he said something which I'm going to speak about in a minute, but Sean and Coco came and led worship this morning and everything they sung was exactly what God had given me to preach and it's such a, a simple but powerful thing that God says, I see what's going on. I see what's taking place. I am in control of, 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 of the world if you would let me be in control. And I think that there's a, a powerful point to that, which I want to reveal that God is, is moving in our midst, but we fail to see that he's there. That God is taking place. He is shifting and moving and breaking. But we are the ones who miss what's taking place. We are the ones who, who put things in the place that get in the way of God. And I just feel like if we can learn as a people, and a part of what JD bought yesterday was so simple, but so profound and so powerful. In, in a simple Bible verse, he unpacked and unraveled stuff that was just phenomenal. But Dave said something last week during his sermon, which has been rolling around in my head since last Sunday, trying to understand what it looks like. He said, if we want to come into the resurrected life, we have to die first. We have to come into the death, right? And we've all read that Bible verse. We know that, right? We've said it a hundred times. We understand it. I think I've preached from this barrel about dying to ourselves a hundred times. But the more I began to look at it, the more confusing it became to me. Because I, I was sitting at home going, but God, I am, I have died. What do you, I, I got baptized. I, I said yes to you. I, I, I accepted you into my life. And I just kept, felt, kept feeling the Holy Spirit saying, but there's more, but there's more, but there's more. And he led me to Romans 6. So if you've got a Bible and you want to go there, just turn to Romans 6. And again, coming into yesterday, I was... Just praying, Lord, do you want me to go to Romans 6? It's one of the first things JD says yesterday. Let me just go to Romans and we'll talk through Romans 6. I was like, okay, I see that signpost. I see that turn left post there. Romans 6, chapter 6, verse 1. It says this, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? That word baptized means to fully submerge. Baptized, fully submerged into Christ Jesus. We're fully submerged into his death. We were buried therefore with him by full submersion into death in order that just as Christ who raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. We too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died 
has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also might live with him. We also might live with him. We know that Christ raised, that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider, we must consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let no sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life. We present ourselves to God as if we've been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. Do you notice that in this verse, when it talks of Jesus, it talks in absolute 100%. This is who he is. This is what he did. This is who he is. Right, But when it speaks of us, it speaks of consider, would you come to, if you would bring yourself to, it's here for the taking if you'll take it. Right? What we tend to do is that we tend to say, once we've entered into Jesus, it's all done and it's finished and I'm, I'm locked away and I'm operating in the fullness. I once had a friend of mine say to me, I was challenging him on the way he thought about something and he said, no, I have the mind of Christ. And I said, you, you do in your spirit, but you're not operating from that place. Why? Because there's pain and suffering in your voice. There's ill speak. When you speak like that to your wife, that's not the mind of Christ. That's not what Jesus would say. You have it 100%. In our salvation, when we entered into Christ, we were given the opportunity to live from that place. But would you consider living from that place? See, what we have to do now is to consider to live from our new life and not from our old life. See, when we transform from one place to the other, when we die to our flesh and we enter into Christ, then, my brothers and sisters, would you consider, is what Paul's saying, would you consider to choose life over death at every step? Would you choose to live from Christ, the one who has conquered death, who not maybe would, but has fully entered in to the fullness? See, we have access but oftentimes we consider to not. We have access, but oftentimes we consider to not draw upon that. I remember as a, as a kid at youth group, I heard it said like this, and it was the most phenomenal thing I'd ever heard. And it's so simple, but has played in, for the rest of my life, and hopefully until I'm an old man, was a, a, a youth minister came to our small town, and he said, imagine you've been given a credit card, and... The credit card is unlimited. You can draw from it as much money as you want. And he said, you're so excited. They give you the credit card. It comes on a fancy piece of paper with a little glue tack thing that's on it. And you go, yes, I have an unlimited credit card. And you take that credit card and you put it into your side drawer and you leave it there. Now you tell people, I have a credit card that has unlimited money on it. People go, man, awesome. Are you buying stuff? Oh, no, I don't use it. It just sits there. 
Oh, so you're drawing from it? Oh, no, 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 no. It's too nice. It's fancy. I don't want to pull the blue tack part off. It just sits in my side drawer. But it's unlimited. Yeah, so you can go to any ATM in the world. You can put it in and you can draw out. You can just keep drawing money out until you're satisfied. Yeah. Do you? No. And then what happens is I look over at Sean, who's got fancy everything, squillions of dollars. And I'm like, God, why does he get that? Well, he got a credit card. It was unlimited, full of cash. Why can he use it? Because he's putting it into the ATM machine and drawing the money out. Well, where's mine? In your side drawer where I gave it to you. See, what happens is we, as Christians, so often we go into a a church, we get saved, our life gets changed. We go, yes, my life is changed. I'm a son of the Most High. And then we sit in our seat and we do nothing. And we live with frustration, with pain, with anxiety, with sickness, with broken relationships, with hurt families, with with dead-end jobs. The same merry-go-round again and again and again and we have to keep coming back in and getting our little fill because it's, it's hard out there, Ben. Do you realize what's out there? It's hard out there. I need a little fill so I can make it through the week. And God's going, I didn't give you a little fill. I gave you an unlimited card to spend. I didn't give you a little thimble full to say, I hope this tides you through to next week. I gave you every single day you can enter into my rest. If you're tired, come to me. If you're excited, come to me. If you're pumped on Mountain Dew, come to me. Would you consider, would you consider to live in a resurrection like his? He died to sin once for all and he lives to God. I find it fascinating that this verse says right here, he died to, to, to death once for all. And then man, let's glorify Jesus. No, the verse says to God. Jesus, the son of God, God himself is a minister to God in his death and in his resurrection. He came to say, all that I am, God, everything that you've given me is unto you. So that credit card that sits in our bedside table, what's it there for? To bring glory to the king. Why is Sean well-dressed in all his things to bring glory to the king? See, when the more God gives us, the more he pours out, the more our life set in freedom is to bring him glory. Do you know the picture of this that I find absolute mind-boggling? It's in Revelation, it says the kings, when they see Jesus open the seal, it says the kings, the, 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 the elders who have crowns on their heads, they take the crown from their head and they lay it on the floor. Do you know who gave them that crown? God. They have every right to wear the crown. Who gave the throne they're sitting on, they have every right to sit on that throne. Why? Because God gave it to them. In his holy presence, he gave them, you deserve this, have this. And in their act of worship, in their act of glorification to Yahweh God, they take off the very thing God gave them and said, I don't want anything to get in the way of my worship. So why don't you sit on your throne? Because I don't want anything to get in the way of my worship. Even in that place where they deserve to have the things in which God's given them, they lay them down. Why? Because they are ministers to Yahweh. They are ministers to the great King. They are ministers to the Holy One, creator of the heavens and the earth. And even though you gave it to me, it's not worth as much as my worship and glorification to you. Would you consider 
Would you consider to live in him? We have been united in his death and his resurrection, but we have to consider. We have to consider ourselves dead to the old life and alive in the new life. He continues on in Romans 6, chapter 15. The next verse says, What then? Are we to sin because we are under, not under law but under grace? By no means. He repeats it again. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you were once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the head, uh, sorry, from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and have been set free from sin and have become slaves of righteousness. You were once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed to the standard of teaching to which we are committed. In some respect, everyone in this world will be a slave to something. You will be a slave to something. Well, what am I going to be a slave to? To the standard of teaching which you are committed. You know, when we commit ourselves to something, when I commit myself to Jess, I don't let anything else get in the way of my walk with her. I cancel other things, events, work, other things that would get in the way. Why? Because she's most important to me. See, when we say, well, God's most important to me, I wouldn't say this to you, but I would like to. Show me. Show me. Because when you're committed to the teachings of Christ, when you're committed to Him as the King, Lord, and Savior, it will reveal in your life. Why? Because you'll let nothing else get in the way of that. And I don't mean just coming to church. I don't mean just coming to the building and meeting with the church. I actually mean your committed relationship with, the, with Christ. I'm too tired. I don't have time. I can't be bothered. I don't understand it. I've decided to read this other book because it's more to me right now. All these things are the teachings by which we have committed ourselves. And we will measure ourselves on that. But when Jesus says... Sorry, when, when Paul is saying, would you come and consider yourself alive in Christ, commit yourself to him and watch what your life will do. Then your life will change. You will become slaves to Christ. I love that Paul writes, if, if, I, went, if I got invited to a, another place and they said, hey, how would you like me to introduce you? Hey, introduce me as not, not as Pastor Ben. You know, I, I don't like that anyway, but... Don't introduce me as Pastor Ben. Introduce me as Slave Ben. Benjamin Radnage, Slave of Jesus. Introduce me like that. And you could just imagine, hey, the churches would be like, oh, we don't. We're under grace. We're under grace. We should. It says right there, we are slaves of Christ Jesus. And you know why? I'm so happy and stoked to be a slave of Christ. Why? Because I know how good he is. I know who he is and how he treats us. I know the reality of his kingdom and his kingship, that a slave under him is treated better than any king in this world will ever be treated. 
A slave in the kingdom of God reveals the heart of the Father and that is the best place on the earth to be. I have no issue being called a slave to Christ Jesus. Why? Because Hebrews says no longer, sorry, Romans says, no longer am I a slave to the world, but I am a slave, I'm a servant unto Christ. It changes the paradigm by which we live. It changes the way in which we understand the gospel. Why? Because it's not about me any longer. I didn't come to get something. I heard a, a, a book, Kat and I are racing through a book and I'm winning at the moment, just for the record. Although I, she reads much faster than I, so I'm probably going to lose. But there's a book by uh, Rick Joyner and he said something that, that just rocked me. He said, see that? There's a bit of power. Whoa. <laughs> he said, lust comes to take, but love comes to give. Lust comes to take, but love comes to give. Do you know what we've done in the Western contemporary church over the last two or three generations? We've created a people who are coming to get something. A lusting generation. You know, I have a, I have a heart and a vision that one, one day, one day we will see a generation of people who come through our door in, to, to gather with the saints, to gather with their brothers and sisters, to give all that they have. That we would fill stadiums of people not coming in the hope to see something magnificent, but in the hope to worship the great and glorious King. That we would see streets and cities filled with people with a heart. Do you want God to give you something? Man, I don't mind if He gives me something. I just want to give Him all that I am. I want to pour myself out unto Him. Because He is worthy and glorious. He is the one. We were once slaves of sin, but now we've become slaves of freedom and righteousness. We've been set free. We've become slaves of righteousness. But how do I do that? This was the challenge. If, you, if you're still in the Bible, go all the way to the start for me, to Genesis. Genesis 2, chapter 15. Dave's challenge to live in the, in the fullness and the freedom of God, in the, the, the resurrected life, we must first live in the crucified life. Considering ourselves dead to sin, considering ourselves full and, and ready to spread the gospel, presenting our members as, interest, as instruments for righteousness. Genesis 2, chapter 15 says this. Uh, I think this is King James Version because I... They changed the word here. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. To dress it and keep it. What does someone else's version say? What is your? To work it and keep it, right? And King James uses dress and keep. Those two words, the word dress is the Hebrew word abad. And it means this, to serve, to work, to tend or to worship. The word dress means to serve, work, tend, or worship. The next word is to keep it, and it's the word shema. And it means to protect, to attend, to keep, to observe, to wait, and to watch. God put Adam in the garden, Adam and Eve in the garden, to serve, work, tend, to be a worshiper, to protect, to attend, to keep, 
to observe, to wait and watch. God designed mankind to serve him. He designed us to serve him, to worship him, to tend his garden, to protect and watch the things that he was going to do. He said, Adam, stay here, watch this. What are you going to do? I'll show you. It'll be magnificent. What do I do in the meantime? Worship me. Serve me. Do everything I ask. Listen to my heart intently and I will reveal things that no one else will know. Come to worship. This morning we sung songs about, Lord, to worship you I live, created as worshipers. God placed us in this, in this place to worship him, to give our hearts, to become ministers to him. God wanted Adam to minister to him. He became a priest in the garden. Go forward a book to Exodus 40, 12, 15. Exodus 40, 12, 15. God put Adam in the garden to be a minister and to glorify him, to worship him, to watch. Exodus 40, just after Moses has led the Israelites out and the building, he's building the tabernacle. God says to Moses, he says, Moses, bring Aaron and his sons unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Wash them with water. Put upon Aaron the holy garments, anoint him, sanctify him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office and bring his sons and clothe them with coats and anoint them just as they anointed their father that they may minister unto me in the priest's office for their anointing shall surely be an everlasting priesthood throughout the generations. The first thing God does when he brings the people out of, out of uh, Egypt and he sets up the tabernacle is he says, remember, just like I did with Adam, I want you, Aaron, to be a minister unto me and your children and the generations that will come after them to be ministers unto me. See, God... Yahweh wants us, his people, to minister to him. All too often we come to church because we want to get ministered to, but God's saying, would you come and minister to me? Would you come and lift up a sound? Would you come and bring the holy worship to me? Because I am who I said I was. He did, it with, he did it with Adam. He did it with Aaron. He did it with Melchizedek before Abram. He made the ministers of the great kingdom, ministers, holy priests unto him. Bring them, cleanse them, make sure they're cleaned. Do you know, before a priest would go into the Holy of Holies, before he was allowed in to see the presence of God, before he went into that place, he would have to cleanse himself. Once a year, they got to go into the presence. They would baptize themselves, they would bathe themselves, they would make sacrifices, they would make themselves clean and pure in order to enter into the presence of, of God. Once a year, they entered timidly because they realized I could die in His presence. Once a year, they got to wash. Fast forward all the way through to Hebrews, turn 26 books. No, probably not that many a few books through to Hebrews chapter 10. What we've seen so far, and I've only used two examples, Adam, Aaron, but there's Moses, Melchizedek, 
Abram is that we're seeing God set up a pattern of worship and glorification of priests unto Jesus, ministers of us, His people, to Him, His holiness. That He uses His creation to glorify His great name. He uses us, His people, to bring the worship and the worthiness of who He is into a world that doesn't know who He is, into a place that has been lost and, and, and unfounded in Him. He brings us, His people. And then in Hebrews 10, verse 19, it says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is through His flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for He who promised is faithful. Jesus, the high priest of the house, in His death and resurrection, tore the sheet between the Holy of Holies, allowing all of us, His people, to become priests of Him and to enter into the holy place. Do you understand how huge that is? He said, I know you've got to cleanse. I know you've got to do sacrifices. I know you've got to wash yourself up. How about I go ahead and do that for you? How about I go ahead and I become the perfect sacrifice? How about I go ahead and I use my blood and my body to wash you clean so that you can come into the kingdom every single day. You can live from that place and bring glory to the great King. Yeah, Lord, but there's still this big curtain that divides us. Don't worry, I'll deal with the big curtain. What are you going to do? I'm just going to rip it from the top in the heavenlies all the way down to the earthly realm. I'm going to show a picture that from the very top of my kingdom realm, right down to the lowest of the low point, I'm going to bring my glory. So who can go in? Anyone who's willing. Anyone who would consider themselves in me. Anyone who would come before me. Jesus said, you don't need any of the things we used to need because I will become all of that. So Lord, what do we need? How do I die to myself? You become the priest of me. You will always create it to me. But Lord, what does that mean? What does it mean to be a priest? How do we bring ourselves before you? How are you creating us in you? Fast forward to the very last book of the Bible, Revelation 5. Revelation 5, verse 9. I know I'm jumping all over the place, but I'm trying to show you that from the very beginning to the very end, God has created us, His people, to be priests and ministers to Him. God has created us, His children, sons and daughters, to be priests and ministers to Him. Our great call, you know, Christians, they always say, I don't know what God's calling me to do. I don't know what He's calling me to be. He's calling you to be a priest and a minister unto Him. Well, what does that look like? It means that everything you do is glory unto the King. But there's things that I don't do, that, there's things that I do that aren't glorification to Him, then stop them. You mean just stop them, just stop them. If you look at your life and you go, would I bring this as a present into the Holy of Holies to present before God? If the answer is no, don't take it, stop it. 
lay it down. Would I bring this, Lord, to say, God, this is how I'm living my life. Would I present it to him if he was sitting in that chair? If his answer is no, then stop it, lay it down. Present ourselves as, as holy and righteous. That doesn't mean be a good boy and don't stuff up. It means, Lord, what are you giving to me to minister to you with? Well, I can't do anything. I'm a, a stay-at-home mom. Then use it to minister to me. I can't do anything because I, walk, I work in, a, in a, a, a petrol station. Then use it to minister to me. Because you're a priest unto me in all that you do. In Revelations 5, 9, 10, it says... And they sang a new song. The angelic around, around Christ, as he's just opened the scroll, says, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you've ransomed people for God, for every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. Well, Lord, I'm not worthy. No, it says every tribe, people and nation. I'm not good enough. Every tribe, people and nation. I live in a small part of the town. Every tribe, people and nation. God, I have every tribe, people and nation. Well, what do I have to do? If you would consider to live in me, I will make you a priest, a nation of priests to which you will change, you will change the, the atmosphere in which you enter. When we understand that we are great priests to the King, slaves to righteousness, slaves to His kingdom and His throne, we start to understand this is who our makeup is. This is what I'm supposed to do. Everything that I do becomes service to Him. It changes the way we live. So now all of a sudden, Now all of a sudden our life becomes a sacrifice because everything we do is about being a priest to the great king. Did I tell the story about Jess going away on a trip? I didn't, did I? It was a made-up story, but I didn't tell it. Imagine this. Imagine Jess goes away on a trip or your husband or, or wife, either or, goes away on a trip and they're gone for a month. And in that time, the, you... The, the date's coming up to when they're coming back. They get back th this afternoon. So what, you, so what you start to do is you get excited. My, my wife or my husband or my partner is coming back. I'm, I'm pumped about it. So I start to clean the house, prepare the house. I make it look a million bucks. I put a, a big lamb roast on the smoker. I make all these fancy vegetables and I set the table. In that moment when I'm preparing for my wife to come home, I'm not thinking about what present she's got me from her trip. I'm not thinking about what she would have done for me while she was away on the trip. I'm not thinking about what I'm going to get when she comes home. What I'm thinking about is, my goodness, she's almost home. And I want her to feel blessed when she walks through the door. So I get a glass of wine or, or whatever you do. You get it ready. It all looks neat and beautiful. And the moment she walks through the door, it becomes all about her. I don't look at it. I'm not trying to look through her bag to see if she's got any big packages. I'm not trying to see what, where have you been, what have you done. I'm not seeing any of that. My eyes, and my, it's just on her. It's just on her. My heart is just on her. But you know, the beauty of, of, of love, the beauty of what, of what God designed is that she does have 
lots of gifts in her bag for me. She does have all those things that she wants to tell me. She does have everything that she wants to pour out on me because she's just as excited as I am to be home to me. She's prepared her coming home too on the plane, flying. She's thinking about all the things she wants to tell me. It's a, it's a, uh, both of us are in this place of I can't wait to be with the other person. My job in that is to prepare the home, prepare the dinner. My wife's coming home. I'm not thinking about what she's going to bring. I'm not telling her, hey, make sure you do this on the way home. Make sure you pick. I just want her to be here. That's what we do with God. When we worry, when we bring ourselves to a place where we want it to look the way we want, God, I need my gift to come. I need my things in this. I need the church to look like this for me. I need, I need, I need. What we're doing is we're ruffling through the bag to try and find out what presence. And Jess is standing there going, you haven't even said hello to me. And you're interested in what I've got for you. When we become priests in the reality of what God's saying, our heart gets set on fire for the great King. I just want to make the table right. Hey, but bro, isn't that works? I don't care. I don't care. I, I want to make sure that the, the, the knife is in the right place and the, and the fork is in the right place. But Jess isn't going to care. I know, I know she's not going to care, but I care. Why? Because she's worth it. Hey, you don't have to read your Bible every day. I know, but I just want to know more about him. But isn't that works? I just want to know more. I just want to put myself in a position where I can see him bigger. Because he's worth it. And if that's all I have to sacrifice, if that's all I have to sacrifice, I will do it day in and day out. God, you asked us to give him our life. You've asked us to give him, he's asked us to give him his, our life. And we go, but that's a lot. Yeah, but what he's going to give you his life. And I, I can tell you it's worth much more. I'm going to finish with this and I just want to go back into worship because we sung a song. I mean, any of the songs Shan sung, but all of those songs are about us giving ourselves to Him. Hebrews 4, 14 to 16, it says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness but one who in every respect has been tempered as we are, yet without sin. He has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. We have a great priest and king who has gone before us, who understands everything you've been through. Why? Because he was tempted. Why? Because he, he had to come away from sin. There was sin put before Jesus time and time and time again. He had to actively make a decision not to enter into that sin. It wasn't ingrained in him that he was some robot where he was just programmed not to be able to sin. He actively considered in that moment to walk towards righteousness, not towards sin. Did you hear what I said? He actively chose in those moments to walk towards righteousness, just as we have to. God is asking us to come before Him as slaves of righteousness, to lay down our life. And the way we live, like Dave said, in that, in that crucified life, is to come before Him as worshippers, just like Adam was told in the garden.
to stand in His presence, to glorify Him, that doesn't just mean singing these songs on Sunday morning. It means our heart being glorified toward Him to want to live in the goodness and the kingdom realm. That every moment we walk, we walk as priests. Who are you? I'm a slave unto Christ. So why don't you stand? I want to pray. I just want Sean to just lead us for a minute just back into a declaration of us declaring that we will live unto Him. I want to ask if as we go from this place, as, as, we, as we lead back into our lives, if you would consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ, that every moment that we step, every decision that we make, we have to weigh up and consider ourselves dead to the old man and alive in the new man, to consider ourselves slaves to righteousness. I know what the right call is here to make. And I'm going to lay down my life and sacrifice what I want because I'm a slave to righteousness. I'm going to consider myself dead to that and consider myself alive in Him. So Lord, we just come. God, we come before You right now. Lord, we understand that from the very beginning, You designed us as people to live, to worship and to honour You, to minister to You, God. Lord, we understand that You... You want us to minister to You. God, that You want us to ready the home, to have You come and be in that presence, to be in that place. God, You want us to sing of Your glory, to sing of Your praise. That God, this house and and the church in this city church in this city, the church right here, God, that's gathered right now, doesn't exist so that we can get things from you, but we exist to give you all that you deserve. That God, knowing that a father gives good gifts to his children, we know that you will pour out on us. We know that you will operate in who you are, but God, that is not our concern more than it is for us to say you are holy and worthy and righteous consider ourselves, Lord, slaves to you and your kingdom. God, let that language change in our hearts where that doesn't feel dirty on the end of our our tongue. That we, God, that we would become joyous and excited to be workers with you, to be fellow workers with you, God, that we would be emboldened and impassioned, Father, to stand with you again, to stand stand against the sin and the things of the world that are tearing people apart, God, but that we would stand and hold tight to your righteousness, that our hands and everything that we do would become outworking to you, that we would become once again priests in your great temple, that we would be priests to you, Lord, servants of your house, ministers to you, great King. 
God, we thank you for who you are. We worship you. We glorify your name. You are the King of kings and the Lord.